before I was a pastor, I had a real job, and uh, we would hire people and fire people and uh, do all that kind of fun stuff in our business. And uh, we hired a guy, uh, we're going to call him Mark, uh, because I have no idea what his name was. I just can't remember. It's not to protect his name. I don't know what his name was. So we, we, hire, we hired this guy, uh, Mark, and basically what we used to do in our business is we'd... Um, We'd hire from outside the industry. We didn't want anyone. We were an import-export. We didn't want anyone in our industry. We always hired outside so that we could train them and shape them into the drones that we wanted them to be. We didn't want them coming in with anything cluttering their mind. And so um, we hired Mark. And, you know, it's hard your first day. It's exciting, you know, it's all new and you, oh, you don't, you, you know, you want to impress everybody and, and you, you want to, um, uh, you know, think of new ideas right off the bat to show you're valuable, right? I mean, you know, and you, you're getting to know people and, you know, are they going to go out after uh, work and I'll go with them and, you know, it'll be great and it's so exciting. So Mark's first day, uh, about half, a, half an hour into the, into the day, uh, he's at his desk like this. Right? And I'm like, dude, what? that's a rough night. What's up? So I walk up to him and I'm like, are you okay? Like maybe he has low blood sugar or something. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He's falling asleep at his desk. And so, um, so I'm like, dude, you know, I probably didn't tell you, but one of the things we try to do here at work is stay awake, okay? So let's kind of keep doing that, and uh, uh, that's your first thing. Today, your job is to stay awake, and then tomorrow we'll, we'll move from there. Uh, so, so Tuesday went, Wednesday went, Thursday went. Every day, the guy is falling asleep at his desk, and he starts coming in late. And now, at our job, we had a a killer office. It was so much fun. We had a blast. But one thing we all did very well was work. We worked hard, and, but we had fun doing it. But we worked hard. So everybody's like, dude, what is your problem? Even the secretary would walk by his desk. Bam! What? Oh, you know, she's like, you're, they're going to fire you if you don't, if you don't you know, wake up, you know? I mean, is it that hard? Okay. So uh, the next Monday comes. He comes in late and is fighting, sleeping throughout Monday. Uh, so we talk to him. Dude, this is your last chance. This is it. No more chances. You come to work late. You're fired. You, you, you uh, fall asleep at your desk. I'll fire you twice. I'll fire you. And then when you're gone, I'll fire you again, if that's even possible. Tuesday comes along, gets there just under, the, I mean, he like dives through the door as the clock, you know, changes to eight o'clock, you know, gets to his desk. And, you know, of course, here's the thing. Everybody's watching you, right? I mean, you've been warned. So like no work gets done the whole day. Everyone's just like, I think it's, a, I mean, if he even blinked, he's going to be fired. I mean, I don't even want you to close your eyes for a second. So, <laughs> I swear, sure enough, 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know? So what we do at our job is we get a box. Uh, it's your own, and you, can, you get to keep the box, okay? <laughs> and basically what we, we do is we pull you into um, the, where we have our conference area, and uh, we put the box down in, in front, and we have you sit down, and we tell you it's, it's not working out. 
and, but you can keep the box after you load. And in, your, in that box is your last paycheck, and you can put all your personal stuff on top of that and take it out to your car and have a nice, and I hope, maybe he could work at like a mattress store or something. I don't know. He's probably real successful now, Mark. But so we fired him, okay? And here's what he says to us. You ready? It's so great. But I didn't do anything. <laughs> Like, I, I'm sitting there like, come on, dude, the train's almost pulling into the station. Make the connection. It, like, the neurons are like, dzz, dzz, like, it's just about there. Right. You didn't, you're being judged because you didn't do anything. And that's exactly where we find Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. He is going to talk about three different types of people that are being judged because they didn't do anything. And oftentimes in the Christian life, you know, we, we, we think of it in terms of what have I done? Either sin, like, oh, what have I done? Or what, what have I done for Jesus? Listen, where God makes his distinction, where he's drawing this line in chapter 25, we're going to go over this a little bit more, is he, he, these people are being judged for what they didn't do. I didn't do anything. That's the problem. And so what happens is this Matthew 25 is like, it's like a division. It brings division. In Luke chapter 12, verse 51, Jesus says this. He says, do you think I came to bring peace? I, I didn't. I came to bring division. Okay, that's paraphrase, but that's what he says. Because don't think I came to bring all people together, tolerance and a big mush pot of everybody, and hey, we can kind of all get along. I came to bring division. And Matthew 25 is that division. And the way Jesus does it is with three parables. Now, if you're like me, when I read the scripture, I love questioning. I love asking, why did he say it that way? Why didn't he say it that way? Why, why didn't he just say it my way, you know? And that's obvious. Um, but so uh, I, I, when I get to something like this, Jesus is talking about heaven and hell. And he brings up three different parables. And for, if you're like me, I wonder, why are you doing this with parables? Why don't you just flat out come out and say this? Listen, guys, I'm going to die in two days, but don't sweat it. In three days, I'm going to rise again, but I've died for your sins. Okay. So we're going to take communion, and you'll understand it all then. The wine represents the blood. The bread will represent this. And, you know, and, and just spell it out. If you don't accept me into your life afterwards, you're going to hell. If you do, you're going to heaven. Why didn't he do that? Why did he do it in parables? Okay? And so what I want to do is uh, I want to show a quick video that kind of explains. Yeah, we're skipping some slides. Get back. You guys got to be on it back there, okay? Uh, uh, we're we're uh, skipping some slides. I want to show you a video of why maybe Jesus says this kind of stuff in parables. No, that doesn't work. It's more. Parables. Huh. Where to start? I got it. Two Texans walk into a saloon. No, that doesn't work. It's more of a joke. Parables. What are they? Spiritual lessons, not completely. Metaphors, well, kind of. Mind games, close, but not really. Stories with deeper meanings, nah. Vantage points, perspectives, clever illustrations, sort of, kind of, no. Riddles, huh. So I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives, each wife, nah. Well, it's closer, but it still ain't the whole enchilada. The dictionary calls them simple stories used to illustrate a moral spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. Well, that's wrong. 
But maybe I should be asking a different question altogether. Maybe we don't need to define what a parable is as much as discover why Jesus used them. So put on your Sunday school hats and let's take a time rocket back to when Jesus walked the earth, shall we? Nice. Now put down your double espresso chai latte, sit up in your chair, and try to keep up with me if you can. Let's peek into Matthew and get a brief history of chapters 3 through 12. And when I say brief, I mean brief. John baptizes Jesus, the dove descends, his ministry begins, he's taken up a mountain, tempted by Satan, and he chooses his disciples. Here begins the amazing teaching chapters. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, watch out for false prophets, don't worry, go through the narrow gate, build your house on the rock, pray for your enemies, deep stuff, mind-boggling teaching. Now, enter the Pharisees, testing Jesus, hoping to trip him up, fearing him. Moving forward, Jesus hangs out with his disciples. He gives them power to do great wonders. He tells people to take his yoke, for it's easy and his burden is light. And this slams us full speed right into the heart of chapter 12. The beginning of the day, the Pharisees attack Jesus for picking grain and feeding the disciples. Next, Jesus goes to the synagogue and heals a man, and the Pharisees don't like that either. And then he frees a demon-possessed man, and this really ticks him off. But here's where it all gets out of control. The Pharisees cross a line, a line that they never should have, by saying that Jesus cast out the demon through the power of Beelzebub. They actually ascribe the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of the devil, and that's a no-no, people, and that's where everything changes. Soon beginneth the parable speak. The straight, clear, and amazing teaching of Jesus switches to talking in parables. As a matter of fact, Matthew tells us that once he starts speaking in parables, that he doesn't say anything to them without using a parable. You don't believe me? Read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 13. But you find the verse. This isn't a sit back and have everything spoon-fed to your church. you got to bench press the word every now and then, people, okay? Anyway, the point is he switched gears. He changed tactics. He kicked the Porsche in the fifth, if you know what I mean. You want to know why? Of course you do. That's why you're here. Part of it's prophecy. Psalm 78.2 says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things. Interesting. Hidden things. Parables. Already they're different than we first expected. Hey, the disciples asked Jesus why he spoke in parables. Parable? Here's what he said. I'll put it in red so you know it's authentic. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Sound strange? Sound like double talk? Well, a name is the kicker. You get truth and you handle it right, you get more. You get truth and you reject it, even what you have is yanked away. Hey. So back to the happy lesson. What did most of the people, including the Pharisees, do with the clear truth of what Jesus taught and the miracles they saw with their own eyes? Remember, you hear teaching, you see miracles. That'll make sense in a second, I promise. Now, just when you thought it was safe to tell stories, Jesus hurls this one at him. And this settles the perplexing parable problem permanently, people. This is why I speak to them in parables, he says. Though seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not understand. That's Isaiah 6, folks. Words which don't conjure up colorful Pixarian visuals, if you know what I mean. The point is, the hearts of the people became calloused. They hardly hear what there is anymore, and they have closed their eyes. And there it is, harsh stuff. They heard Jesus, but didn't really pay attention. They saw his miracles and closed their eyes. They didn't believe. And now instead of the simple, straightforward teaching of chapters 3 through 12, what the crowds get are parables. Maybe so that those who are led by the Spirit will understand, and those who aren't won't. Those who seek will find. Hmm. Perhaps Jesus is no longer casting pearls before swine. I don't know. Perhaps it's grace, because if they understood and rejected him, it would be far worse than if they didn't understand at all. Then again, it could just be an ancient game of Scrabble, and Jesus just placed an X on the triple-letter, triple-word score, and the Pharisees are reaching in the black bag of legalism, hoping to find a blank just to stay in the game. Who knows? You read. You decide. Whatever's going on, we've discovered parables are a lot more than meets the eye. But perhaps the most important statement is crystal clear right there in the text for all of us to see, right there in Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears, let him hear. So this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the three parables in Matthew chapter 25. And my prayer this week, and my prayer uh, leading up to this, and my prayer even right now as I preach it, is that you would have ears 
to hear what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you through these parables. Because what we're going to talk about this morning is harsh stuff. It's eternal stuff. It's, it's Jesus not bringing peace, but bringing division. And so we're going to have to understand this morning, we're going to have to look into uh, kind of what is Jesus talking about? How does this apply to me? What does this mean for eternity? If we can skip back to that uh, first slide real quick. I just want to show you that we have uh, three, three parables that are showing up. The poor guys back there don't even know what's going on. There we go. Yeah, I messed them up. Next one. Cool. Ten virgins, three servants, sheep and goats. Okay, virgins just means bridesmaids, so don't get all uncomfortable and poke people next to you and get all tripped out, okay? It's just back then, they assumed that if you hadn't been married, you were still a virgin, okay? So crazy, but yes, true. All right, so basically, it's three different parables, and here, here's what they are in a nutshell. The 10 uh, bridesmaids, um, there's a, wet, a wedding, and the way it would work back then is that there'd be this long betrothal period, this long engagement where the husband or the husband-to-be would go get everything prepared. And when he had kind of gotten everything settled, he'd come back and grab his bride and they'd have a processional. It was a big community deal. And they'd have this processional and they'd have lamps and torches and stuff. And they'd go in and, and there'd be a big banquet. Okay? And so what happens is with these 10 bridesmaids, five were prepared and five weren't. They, they, basically, the, the lamp, which you read about in the Bible, is essentially a torch. It's a pole that comes up, and there's um, uh, 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 cloth inside, and they'd put oil on it, and they'd light it, and those would be the torches that would, that would uh, be the processional. Okay? Some were ready, some weren't. Then he tells a story, of a parable, about, uh, we call it the parable of the talents, but in fact, it really should be called the parable of the servants, because it's what they did with what their master gave to them. Essentially, what would happen is, uh, essentially what Jesus told was, there was a landowner, he went away on a trip, which was a lot different than the way we go on trips now, okay? So he didn't just fly to Vegas to play poker for a while, and he's coming back. These, these trips could take a year, and he entrusted his servants, and the Greek there is not slaves, they're servants. They're the people who ran his kingdom, if you will. So they might be an accountant, it might be a craftsman, it might be whatever. He entrusted them with money to do their job while he was gone. And he comes back and two did their job essentially and one did not. Okay, that's the second parable. The third parable is the sheep and the goats. And essentially, it's about this king who comes and he basically separates everybody between two camps, sheep on his right and goats on his left. The sheep did what was required of them. The goats did not. Again, you got good, uh, good I'm going to try and keep it right because see, the sheep are on the right. So I'm going to try in my mind to keep it right. The good bridesmaids, the bad bridesmaids. The good servants, the bad servants. The good uh, the sheep and the goats. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's divisive, okay? And this is where we are in Matthew chapter 25. And Jesus is going to judge three types of people for what they did not do. They could say, I didn't do anything. And that's the point. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 25, um, what I want to do is I want to give you kind of the three points I'm going to go over this morning. If you look at your bulletin, there's three points up at the top. And here they are. Grace is extended to everyone. That's the first line there on your, on your um, stuff. Grace is extended to everyone. Okay? We are blessed when we embrace it, and we are judged when we do not. 
Okay? So go ahead. You can go through all of them. Grace is extended to everyone. Can you go back to that one before? Sorry. We are blessed when we embrace it. We are judged when we don't. Okay? Those are our three. Grace is extended to everyone. To everyone. No matter where you are here, grace is extended to you right now. And we live in an age of grace. And you might say, John, I don't even believe in God. I don't even like God. I'm just coming here because my girlfriend invited me and I'm trying to look spiritual because I really think she's hot or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But th- this is the point. Grace is being extended to you right now. We live in an age of grace. Okay? And it's really interesting. I mean, um, in, in, math, in Acts chapter 15, uh, uh, Paul basically has been reaching the Gentiles. And and Gentiles is just a word for those who weren't Jews, okay? And so Paul's going out and he's preaching and and these guys are getting saved. And the power of God is evident in their lives. And and so Paul's excited and he goes back and he says, man, I gotta tell you what's happening with the Gentiles. The power of God, they're, they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Their life is changing. This is awesome. And there were some Pharisees there who accepted Christ as their Messiah, but they were saying, okay, that's fine, but they need to be circumcised. Now, if you're a Gentile and you come to Christ and all of a sudden, and you're, you know, 35 years old, and all of a sudden some dude says, oh, and you need to be circumcised, you're like, I beg your pardon? Uh, Because that was not, Paul never, when I signed up, I read it real carefully and nothing said anything about circumcision. So you could imagine kind of the rift that was beginning to happen here, okay? And all of a sudden, the Pharisees who treated that very, that, that that was an example of what God does to our heart, Okay, by cleaning our heart. So, so there was a big deal. And so here's what Paul says. He, he basically goes to Jerusalem and he presents his case. And this is the case he says in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 11. Essentially, the case is grace is extended to everyone. Here's what he says. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. Grace is extended to everyone. You say, but I'm, a, I'm already a Christian. I already get that. We're going to get to that in a little bit, what that actually means for those who've already accepted Christ and are kind of on that journey of, of relationship. But if you look at the, um, the, the bridesmaids, all 10 of them were invited to the banquet, if you look at it. They didn't make any distinction. All 10 were invited to the banquet. If you look at the servants, all three of them were given a, a, a measure of faith to work with. It says each to their own ability, which we'll get to in a, in a bit as well. But everyone got a measure of grace. And then you look at the sheep and the goats. And as the, 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 the king begins to say, man, you didn't, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. And to the righteous, he says, man, you did all those things. It was extended to everybody. Grace is extended to everyone. Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, in your small group questions this week, you'll notice that you'll be going over Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But uh, we're just going to look at verse 8 right now. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's extended to everybody. It's very important that we see that, okay? So, number two, we are blessed when we embrace it. You have a choice when grace is extended to you. You can reject it or you can uh, embrace it. And for, for those of us who are Christians, you're like, dude, I came all the way over here for this simple me- message. Yes, 
you did. Because a lot of times I feel like we miss, at, we miss the most basic stuff of our salvation and trying to get more and more complicated. But do you realize that you have a God in heaven, a perfectly holy God? I mean, perfect. He cannot take, he doesn't take nice try, okay? He takes perfection. And we have this holy God, and, and when we look at our lives, if you're like me, you look at it and you go, okay, it's not perfect. It, I mean, mine's close, but no, okay. That was a joke, okay? There we go, thanks, okay. That was better. You guys are like, man, what an arrogant, okay. So, so um, but, but you look at your life and you go, man, I, how, why would God accept me? I mean, if I look at my thought life, if I look at the things I've done in my past and all that kind of stuff, God extends grace to everyone. And when you embrace it, you are blessed. I want to talk about two ways we're blessed when we embrace it. The first is salvation. That, that God created a way through, so here's how it works. We come into this life and we're all sinful. And if you've ever had children, you, you've seen it modeled. And so uh, you, you see it at a very early age. I was just kidding, okay? You, I'm, you're doing great. Uh, so, but we, 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 we see it modeled. I mean, you just, you start out selfish, you start out, and, and we work and we try to mask it or whatever, but we all know we're sinful. We know that. And so how can we spend eternity with a God who's perfectly holy, well, what God did is he sent his only son, Jesus, to die, to pay the price for that sin. And in that way, grace is extended to us so that we can say, man, you know, I want to turn from my sin. I, it's not, I can't do anything to, 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 uh, to, to make myself worthy. And I, I embrace, I accept that grace. And that's the first thing you have to do. You have to do it. And that's what all three of these people are being judged for. That first element of grace, of embracing it, of saying, I can't do it on my own. I want to turn from my sin and I want to follow God. The second area of grace is in that process of knowing him. Of, of the mistake after mistake and just trying to figure out and as the Lord kind of has us do different things in life that maybe taking risks that we never took before, God extends grace in those, in those areas. So, so the, way we, the way we talk about it in like fancy pants words in Christianity is the first one is salvation. We're saved from our sin. And then the second one is sanctification, which just means living a life that backs up to the first decision we made is sanctification, living holy. And so, uh, so with all three examples, you have this idea of, man, when, when, you, when you embrace grace, when you say, okay, this is the way I want to live, blessing follows. First, eternal life, but then not just that. Let's, let's take a look. So uh, the virgins or the bridesmaids who were ready, uh, in, verse cha- in verse seven, it says, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. Everybody was invited. Grace was extended to all, but only five of them were ready. Only five of them had the oil uh, to light the lamp to be ready. Who knows what the other, the other five were doing? Have you, ever, have you ever gone out to eat lunch and uh, you were going to bring cash? Like you're going out and you knew it was going to be Dutch and you said, well, I'll just stop off at the ATM, but you ran out of time and you go, you know what, I'll just, I'll just use my visa when I get there or there'll probably be an ATM right there. 
and you get there and like everybody's ready to order and you realize you have no money and that feel I don't know okay I don't know if you've ever felt that way but this has happened to me before and so you're like dude can I I swear I'll pay you back can I borrow ten dollars and the person's like, no, dude, all I have is 10, and I was going to order the fajitas, and they're $9.99, and I'm not leaving a tip. So that's all, you know, that's all, that, that's all I got, right? You ever had that feeling? This is what the bridesmaids felt like. It's like, oh, you know what? When I get to that area, I'll get some oil then. I'll pick some up. And it's taken the groom a long time, and they have time, and it's a party atmosphere and everything, and they ended up coming short. But those who were ready got blessing. They went right in to the banquet. When you look at the, uh, when you look at the uh, servants, uh, they get a blessing. His, in verse 21, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He gives him a threefold blessing. First is verbal. He says, well done, good job. But when we embrace, listen, it's so important. But when we embrace the grace of salvation, we get a verbal well done. You know what happens? All the angels in heaven throw a party, it says in the, in the, in the world. When you, when you say, you know what, I'm going to turn from this way. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make him Lord of my life. There's a, a verbal blessing, a party in heaven that happens when you accept Christ. And then, but then there's another thing. He says, to the, he says to the slave after that verbal blessing, you've been faithful with little. I'm going to make you, uh, f- uh, I'm going to give you more responsibility. And, and you see this in the life of a believer who's accepted this grace and then puts it into action. In verse 16 of Matthew 25, it says this. Uh, the man who had received the five talents, he'd embraced that grace. This is what he did. At once... He put the money to work. At once, he took that grace and started going with it. And you know what? I love when I watch somebody turning from their sin, and you just watch them, and they are on fire, and they are going crazy. They don't just go, well, I accepted Jesus, and now back to my old ways. They just turn, and they just go. And you watch, and sometimes Christians who've been Christians for 20 years look, and they're embarrassed because this person is more bold in their faith. They're risking more. They're doing more. And guess what? God's going, well done. Yes, I'm going to put you in charge of more and more and more. You know what? God, as he extends his grace to you, he wants you to have a life of abundance. If you would take that grace and immediately put it into practice. And for some of us this week, we're going to have those times. Someone's going to come to us with a question a neighbor or whatever, and God's going, here's five talents. Let me see what you're going to do with that. Yet we have a chance, just a small chance with when um, Don Rogers comes. All we have to do is fill up bottles full of change. That's it. That's one talent stuff. How are we going to do? I mean, that's it. All I got to do is fill up a little bottle with some change. One talent stuff. How are we going to do? Some of us, we, 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 throughout the week, we get some five-talent stuff. All of a sudden, you know, a, a tragedy happens. And how are we going to handle it? And how are we going to minister to people? Or we get fired, and, 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 and it's, it's not fair. And so-and-so would have gotten fired, but she's hot, and that, I think her and the boss got something going. And now, I, how am I going to deal with it? That's five-talent stuff. Some of us have to break up relationships that we've had for years and years and years because we know God wants us to do something else. But here's the thing. When we do, when we embrace that grace and go, Lord, I don't know how in the world I'm going to get through this. 
but I'm going to invest what you've given me. He says, well done. And guess what he does? He puts you in charge of more. And then the third part of that, that blessing is he's saying, enter the joy of your master. This deepening relationship that happens. Guys, listen. Listen, life is too short to be messing around. You know what I mean? I mean, we talked about this with the regret-free life. Where did my 20s go? Where did they go? I don't know. I don't have much to show for my 20s. Well, I mean, a killer marriage. That's cool. You know, so that's good. I do have, I do have something to show for it. But, you know, what happened to my 30s? We, 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 we're, we're, the Bible calls us a vapor, grass. What are you doing with the grace that's been extended to you? Are you investing it? Are you taking risks? Are you at once immediately going, all right? You know what Paul, Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians? He says, he's got this thorn in the flesh and nobody knows what it is. You know, someone say it was his eyesight. Someone say, I, I praise God that we don't know. It was something that was bugging Paul. He's Paul, for crying out loud. And he prays three times. He says, man, will you get rid of this thing? And guess what God says? No. Guess what I'm going to give you instead? Grace. And guess what about that grace? It's sufficient for you. It'll, it'll do the job. If you invest it, if you invest it into your weakness, guess what comes out? Power. He says it this way. He says, uh, uh, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in weakness. And so think about it, Christian. What have we done with our salvation? What, What have we done? And this isn't a guilt trip. This is exciting that God says, man, well done. I'm gonna give you more and enter the joy of your master. He says it to the sheep as well. Uh, in in uh, verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Literally, that Greek is my father's blessed ones. Come, my father, father's blessed ones. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. It's just a blessing in knowing God. There's a blessing in knowing I'm spending eternity with him. I mean, again, you know, there's so many scriptures. If God's for me, who can be against me? I mean, what a blessing to know that. There's a blessing that I can risk it all. And there's going to be eternal reward. Paul says it this way. He says that there's blessing not only on this life, but also in the life to come when we know Christ. If you would take that grace and you would embrace it, there's blessing. But on the flip side, on the other side, there's judgment. There's judgment. And see, it's so hard. In America and and, 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 and yeah, I love tolerance. It's fantastic. But, but when it comes to morality, God's not tolerant. And, 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 and we have this thing, you know, I, everybody should get everything. And it, it, we have this, and it sounds fantastic. We should all be the same and we should all be. It, but when it comes to God's righteousness, he takes a line and he draws it down. And he says this, you are either saved or you're not 
period. There's no nice try. There's no, well, I was thinking about it. There's no, well, I buried it in the ground and I was hoping that when you came back, I could say, well, yeah, okay, I'll do it now. There's nothing. And if you read through Matthew, which we've been doing for the last few months, we've seen it over and over and over again. Guess what? There's good soil and there's bad soil. There's those that show up with a wedding garment. There's those that don't show up with a wedding garment. There are those who have oil. There are those who don't have oil. There are those who enter the narrow gate. There are those who enter the wide gate. There are those who build their house in the sand. There are those who build their house on the rock. You see what I'm saying? I mean, there's those who are faithful with what God's given them. There are those who are unfaithful. There are sheep and there are goats. That's it right down the line, one or the other. And we, we live in a society where, you know, I, was t- I just was reminded of this first service. When I grew up, when we played sports, not everybody got, everybody gets a trophy now. Like all the kid, every kid gets a trophy. And it's a basically, you know, you played. You played. And so, you know, and so you walk into a kid's room and I, me, I still have this thing. I walk into a kid's room and I'm like, holy mackerel, this kid's going to go to USC. And get, I mean, look at all those trophies. And it's like, you walk up to the trophy cabinet and it's like, yay. 19, you know, 2006, you know, participant. It's like, what? What? You know, back in my, you got it. They had a trophy ceremony. And if you didn't come in first, second or third, and first was huge. And, you know, third, it was like, I don't even want third. You know, you'd walk out third, just put it in the trash, you know, (laughs) because the, the first is just like this big, you know, and you're going, man. But this, this, this has entered into Christianity, it's entered into kind of like it's all going to be okay, and it's not going to be okay. There's going to come a day when God is going to ask you, how did you do with the grace I extended to you? And, you are, and here's what it says. The bridesmaids, uh, uh, they're judged. It says five are wise and five are, uh, okay, the Greek word is moros. It's where we, they're morons. Five or one, and you say, boy, that's really harsh. That's, man, that's judgmental. Yes, it's judgmental. It's just not that they're challenged, you know, well, they're kind of, you know, if you knew their upbringing, they're wise and morons, okay? The, 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 you look at the servants, good and faithful, wicked and lazy. There wasn't, a, you know, good and faithful and 2009 participant, okay? There is, there's nothing like that. Good and faithful, wicked and lazy. Sheeps, sheep, <laughs> sheeps. Okay. Sheep and goats, okay? One or the other. You say, man, that's really harsh. Well, here's the problem, guys. Here's the problem. This is why God is so judgmental. Because the outcome is so final. Heaven and hell. Those are the two. Those are your two doors. Those are your two chances. And God is extending grace to all, and we're blessed when we embrace it, and we're judged if we don't. It says for the bridesmaids in uh, in verse 10, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And you hear the bridesmaids going, 
Hey, let us in. We just forgot the oil. Sorry about that. Nothing. You look at the talents. It says, throw that worthless slave outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You look at the goats. Then he will say, though on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is serious stuff, guys. This is eternity. This is our souls. And, and, and li- li- listen to me, please. I mean, with all the love and all that, this is why if you have ears to hear, please hear this. I don't know all the details of heaven, okay? There's a crystal sea, there's go- streets paved with gold, all that kind of stuff. It's a, I got a tiny brain. I don't, I don't know all that. And hell, I don't know if it, you know, I don't know how it all works, okay? Here's what I know. Hell is bad, and you don't want to be there, and it's forever. Heaven is good, and you do want to be there, and it's forever. And you say, well, John, come on. I know that. Why are you talking to me like a baby? Because, guys, forever, forever. Now, now how does that affect me as a believer? How does it affect how I live my life today? It should be the driving force of who I am to my core that I get to spend eternity with God. And it should be who I am to my core that maybe my neighbor is not. You see what I'm saying? What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with the grace that's extended to us? Grace is extended to everyone and those who embrace it, not only unto salvation, but to live a life that's awesome. Those who embrace it are blessed and those who don't are judged. And it's serious, serious stuff. And I can't sugarcoat it. I can't give everybody a trophy. I can't say, go, but you know what? If you really, really try, if you really, really try, you're going to hell anyway unless you take what Jesus has extended from the cross. Why did he do it that way? I have no idea. But it's so obvious that he came to divide he came to make a distinction i want to i want to show you some friends of ours this is uh this is karen and steve wetterick they uh um neighbors across the street from us when we lived in lakewood and uh steve came to christ and uh, they're married 19 years. I mean, they're just a sweet, sweet couple. She's so sweet. And um, so we, we were with them for years uh, on our street, and they were in a Bible study of ours. And it was awesome. And then we moved, uh, they moved to Huntington Beach, and we moved to Garden Grove. And, uh, and so we got connected back on Facebook, and they're just doing great. And then in July uh, of 2009, she was diagnosed with cancer, and she's dead. Like that. Like that. Six days ago, she went to be with the Lord. What are we doing? It's a vapor, guys. I, I, mean, I mean, the fact that we'd be so concerned about work and this and that and this. God is extending grace. He's saying, you don't have to worry about that stuff. You, you don't, don't waste your time with it. He's coming. And, and whether we meet him early, you know, I mean, I just, just on Micah's Facebook, uh, for those of you who don't know Micah, I mean, because dear family in our, in our church, the Crees, 
right? I mean, he writes about this, just somebody ran a red light and it just missed him. We don't know. God, no. I want to read one, one more verse. As the worship band comes forward, Guys, this is so serious. And, 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 and if you're a believer and you've heard this a thousand times, hear it a thousand and one more times. We've got to stay in touch with eternity. That is the kingdom of God. We have to stay in touch with it. We have to stay in, the t- in touch with the fact that we're saved and we made it. We also have to stay in touch with the fact that people aren't. And as we read last week, the Lord's not, you know, he's, he's, he, he's not being slow, as some count slowness, but he's patient for us, not wishing anyone to, to, to be lost, but for all to come to salvation. So we, we go into this slower time of worship, and uh, basically, um, well, here's what it's for. Check, let's check out this verse. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Listen, I... You may have been coming to church for 10, 15 years and you may be on your way to hell because you think coming to church has anything to do with anything. Coming to church is a celebration of his word. It's a celebration of worship. It's a celebration of how he's impacted us during the week. It is not a ticket. If you're in a life that's just in sin and sin and sin and sin, there's a really good chance you are not saved. Whether, I, whether you're on the board, sorry for all of those who are on the board, right? I mean, there should be some work of the Holy Spirit as God extends His grace. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Test yourself. Look inside. Say, Lord, am I, are you really Lord of my life?